the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. We've got Mark Dolly and Carrie. You're doing a nice little Irish jiggle. Right? Oh, yeah, sure. That's me. Never. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day weekend. Unless you had everyone. a lot of green beer, I guess. <laughs> Actually, we're taping this show early on Thursday. And I, I mentioned that because often on the Financial Food for Thought, our radio show, the, the news is so heavy. That it changes quickly? by the hour, and so what I'm talking about today may be completely different by the time you're hearing this on mm-hmm. Saturday morning. But I thought it would get started with a little Irish limerick here. I know you're always uh, you oh, know, I like those. Is it a clean one? I can go. <laughs> I can go. Cl- I can go cleaner, cleanest, or ah, less clean. I don't care. It has to be clean. Okay. No, I was going to say I don't care. <laughs> uh, there once was an old man of lime who married three wives at a time. When asked why a third, he replied, well, one's absurd, and bigamy, sir, is a crime. Oh, that's cute. All right. So you're listening to Financial Food. I got millions of them, Carrie. I can get get a little bit less clean, too, if you'd like. (laughs) I I can Uh, think of some that are less. Oh, yeah. Um, Anyways, we don't don't tell that Nantucket one, Carrie. You can't (laughs) tell that one. All right. Um, Eric, sound engineer, would have to bleep you on that one. All right. so we got economic data, Carrie, and we got CPI, PPI. Inflation, I think, is going down. Okay. And it doesn't, you know, we always been saying on this show, inflation went up like a rocket and is going to come down like a feather, right? But, you know, when you look at the data, and do you, I, I was surprised when I went to the grocery store last week and I got a dozen eggs for around $2 and change. Okay. I agree that eggs are coming down because I go about every th- week. They're down about 30%. Right. I agree. Um, now, the, so, but if you look, so the Federal Reserve has to decide what they're going to do next week. Uh, Wednesday, we'll find out. Maybe Tuesday. I don't know. Tuesday or Wednesday. It's a two-day meeting. Um, and I think, so you have, I think there is some data that would indicate 
to the Fed that their medicine is working. Okay. Okay. Um, including if you look at not only headline PP, uh, CPI and PPI, but also core. But not it's not a it's not a it's not a clear cr- across the board, Carrie. You know, right. some th- some some months data, everything is going in the same direction, either up right. or down. When you look at headline annual month to month, core annual month to month, right? right? They're the four possible ones. Okay, and in some months over the last twelve months. Every month, all, both PPI and CPI and, and, and PCE, quite frankly, they were all going the same direction. That was a clear indication. It, it's not always that way either, like this time. So, But most of it is going in the right direction. Um, but then also, you had the bank failures. Mm-hmm. And that risk... That, that was all over the news. Because I told you, I read the headlines. I don't watch as much as you do. And that's was probably overshadowed by any inflation news that I could see with headlines. Right. I mean, it, you know, it, <laughs> it started with the Silicon Valley Bank, right? Um, then the Signature Bank, you know, then uh, Credit Suisse, right? You know, and, and, and well, the gov- you know, Swiss government bailed them out. Now we still have this weekend, it's First Republic Bank, right? That's in trouble. And then in the wings, there's, uh, what's the other one? The uh, bank, uh, Pac West Bank. Right. Cause didn't um, Janet Yellen come out today was supposed to talk about it? Right. And, and what, and basically saying, don't worry. Well, remember, they got President Biden up Monday morning, right? When was the last time we saw President Biden address America before 9 a.m.? Mm. Has he ever done it? I mean, I since he's been so. president, no. And that's even that's a poor poor Joe. That was even after the time change when he lost an hour, you know. But he they had to get him up there before the market opened right. at nine thirty, and they did. They got him, and that basically his the, the takeaway was everything's fine. Don't worry, this isn't a bank bailout. Well, of course it was oh, a bank bailout. Right, I was gonna say. Um, you know, and why do they say, why does Biden and the Democrats say it wasn't a bank buyout? Well, they're basing on a technicality, you know, they're saying that the money is going to come from the bank's reserve payments, you know, special assessments are going to increase the, what the banks have to pay in to the FDIC insurance. Right. Right. Um, and, but I mean, but quite frankly, a lot of people think, well, the banks are just going to then raise their prices or rates or different to their customers. So uh, is it fall back? Is it trickle down to the, uh, us as consumers of the bank's products as well? Right. Cause Uh, one of the headlines said his claim that bailout wouldn't cost taxpayers a dime right said contradicts reality based on any you know several economists said uh how can it be no cost right but if you are concerned okay we'll talk a little bit about that today you know with the bank failures but back to uh so let me try to get through cpi real quick okay carrie. so um and and you know it like i said you don't don't buy that chicken coop carrie because the price of eggs are back down did you see that story you know no. how we were yeah, kidding? Yeah, that people were when running. The, when the eggs were up so high that people were buying chickens? Right. Well, okay. I was going to say, I've no, a lot of people where I'm gonna have chickens. Well, yeah, well, they're saying that's maybe not a great idea. It is if you want fresh eggs. Well, for sure. they say, but people don't understand the problems that come along with There's trying to raise your own of chickens. Food. They said There's the food, care. Food's up. And, and you know, it, do you want uh, predators entering your yard? Well, that's why you get a coop well, with a well, top. Well, you think you got the right coop, right? But when you, you know, but, you know, those foxes uh, and, you know, and coyotes and. And, and hawks. And, and skunks or, you know. And, I, don't, I don't think skunks eat chickens. I maybe the eggs. The eggs, I think. Pretty the sure eggs, they eat, maybe. But, yeah, you um, keep them. 
counter because my one neighbor on the corner has chickens and goats and and they actually I always see a fox when I go into the office early. There's always a fox <laughs> right. hanging in their yard crossing the street. Yeah. The uh so and, and people don't think about that, right? Um and also you know It's work. It's it's work and it's exp- and, and they say the chickens get sick. Right. So you have vet bills, you have heat in winter if they're outside, you have right. electricity, you have to buy heating. And what's that? What's it a little creature that you don't want in your garbage carrier? I said skunks, but... Mice? No, raccoons, I'm thinking of. Yeah. If you don't want raccoons in your chicken coop, right? Um, but so, and also, the, the, like, there's the farm rescue people that, you know, that rescue chickens when people want to just right. dump them. They say they're overwhelmed. Oh, do you see, go go to a rescue group, get some chickens. Um, yeah. I think it's a great undertaking. Just know what you're getting into. So, like, but all right. So let's talk. So let's look at um, inflation numbers. Yeah. All right. So it came in. So let's do headline first. It came in at six point zero year over year. Okay. So if we look back and let's go back to the June last year's June peak. It was, these are all the headline year over year. It was 9.1, then in July, 8.5, then 8.3, then 8.2, then 7.7, then in November, 7.1, then in December, 6.5, then last month, 6.4, this month, 6. What happened to January? Uh, January, it was last month, 6.4. Oh, that's February. We're in March. Oh, that's right, because we don't have... Yeah, Sorry, I'm yeah. like thinking... Okay, so yeah, you're definitely, since since June, trended down every month. Okay, now let's... And, and now you could look at um, now month over month, okay, this is where it, it was... It, it's kind of gone up and down. It's not as a straight line down. Some months it ticks up, some months it ticks down. A lot of that... This is headline, so that a lot could be... Look at the gas prices that have Fluctuate gone up and down. quite a bit. Um, you know, that's why the Fed looks at core a lot of times. So, but month over month came in at 0.4, beating last month 0.5%. But December, it was 0.1. So, you know, January ticked up, maybe on its way back down. If we look at core... Exclude food and energy. Okay. Um, all right. It came in at five point annual year over year came in at five point five. Okay. okay. Um, and the pre and which matched the previous month's January of five point five. Okay. Now if we go back, so core annual peaked out. Actually, it peaked out. Well, you could probably see it was different. If you go back, it was a little bit more jagged, you know, uh, ups and downs. So, for example, last March, you know, a year, almost a year ago, it it was 6.5. Then it was 6.2. Then it was 6.0. Then in June, it was down to 5.9, stayed at 5.9. But then in July, then August, it peaked back up to 6.3. And then the next month, September, it went up to 6.6. A okay. new high. Which is higher than it was last March. And then October, it started its way back down, 6.3. November, 6.0. December, 5.7. January, um, 5.6. Oh, yeah, January is 5.6. And this month, uh, 5.5. So again. So on two fronts, it's trending down. Right. Um, now, if you look at PPI, you know, this right. is what... You know, the, the measures the prices that the manufacturers get, right? Right. So it's it's like a leading indicator, you know, because okay. if the manufacturer's prices are going down now, 
hopefully that means our to, prices to consumer are going prices. down. Mm. Um, now, so if you look at those numbers, so again, let's look at. Um, okay, let's look at headline annual. So it peaked in last June. It was at eleven point three percent. Yikes! Oh, okay. Then July nine point eight. That's August, a big jump. August eight point seven. Dip. September eight point five. October eight zero eight even. November seven point four. December six point two. January six. And last month four point six. That's a big drop. All right. And especially um, when you think about from last June. Okay. But even in one month, that's the biggest one month drop. Now, if you, yeah. And, and again, that's why sometimes you always wonder is there a bad, what really happened? Right. You know, and that's why there's revisions. So we'll right. see if there's. But at least you can say since last June on all three of those indices, it's trading down. Right. Because actually, when I said January was six. That was re- we got a revision in February that was down to five point seven. So you know okay. the revision was putting it down. Um, and if you looked at core PPI, okay, year over year, again, um, probably peaked l- actually in last April. It was uh, you know eight point eight, then eight point three, then a big drop to six point four in June. Then five point eight, then five point six, then it peaked back up in September to seven point two. Okay, um, and then October six point seven, November six point two, December five point five, and then um, and then last, yeah, January it was four point five, and then February four point four. Okay, so. That now that's the one that Fed, but one of the things that went against the you know um, you know going against the grain you know it, it's it's just that idea that it okay is that strong enough data for the Federal Reserve to stop raising interest rates? I, I think it indicates. Also, we had retail sales that was down. Okay, so um, we had the 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 New York State Empire Manufacturing that was down. So there was a lot of indicators, you know, that this is where the bad news is good news to the Fed, Gary, right? Right. Um, because they're trying to slow down the economy. They're trying to stamp down inflation. Um, we all know the housing industry is in peril, right? I mean, it's terrible. Um, the new housing starts are way down. But that's a lot to do with the higher mortgage rates, right? Right. Um, which leads to our bank failure discussion here soon. But um, so, you know, it, again, so I think what you're going to have is – I don't think there's strong enough data for the Federal Reserve to pivot at this point and stop raising rates. But I think there's enough here, plus the bank scare that they got this week and last week, is enough to take the 50 basis points off the table. Mm-hmm. And I think I think next week they're going to keep it at 25. Um, you still think they're going to raise? Because I read some things where maybe they shouldn't, maybe they right. won't. Well, the ECB came out the, today, you know, we're taping the show on Thursday, and they stuck with the 50 basis point increase that surprised mm. a lot of people. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway. There's so, a lot of opinions. And I was going to say, regardless, it's how does that affect you, this information or this trend? Does it make you feel better about, you know, that things are, are inflation's coming down? 
how does that translate to your spending, your financial decisions and choices? Um, and that's what we do at the estate planning team that sponsors this show, Financial Food for Thought. We've been helping people more than 35 years. We're an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planning planning firm that does financial modeling and number crunching and provide people with objective, unbiased, helpful information so that they can make decisions that they're comfortable with and understand um, how the this data affects their plan and their numbers and their real spending. I know for our clients who were worried about inflation, we'd say, okay, look at your expenses a year ago. Uh, let's look, you know, or if they hadn't done it in a while, let's see what your expenses were for 2022. And then compare them to your day-to-day looking at your utilities, your groceries, y- you know, your insurance, and just trying to model in how much did your actual spending go up? Because that's what it, it really translates to how it impacts you, what decisions, whether you're working or somebody who's already retired. Um, and we offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation, which we're do, we can do by phone or in person to see if you can benefit. We're not investment advisors. Our clients either do that on their own or they already have an investment advisor. What we do is very different. And if you want to take advantage of that free consultation, you can call us at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. And whether you're working and thinking about retirement or you're faced with a buyout, like we talked about last week with GM or any, or you're just ready to retire and want to know how to create the income needed tax efficiently, or you're still worried about the economy like many people are, the market, inflation, we can model that in to say, can you afford to retire? Or if you're in retirement and you're not taking minimum required distribution and you have IRAs and company plans, chances are you have a big window of opportunity. And if you want to learn more, call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. You're listening to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. All right. So the other course, we're in March Madness. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, the your basketball championship brackets. We're talking about your income tax brackets. So I want to spend some time today, Carrie, talking about, um, you know, IRS, re, you know, audit red flags for retirees. Mm-hmm. And it's something because that we, we again, you, you, you know, you try to – <laughs> I guess what I was saying, we, we try to do three things when we talk about, um, you know, retirement planning. I don't care what, what you call it, estate planning, pre-retirement planning, whatever. But one is, you know, the, it, it's bad tax matters. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, so it, it, you want to be smart around taxes. You don't want to make mistakes. Especially if, you know, you're trying to do something for the first time in retirement, there's a lot of, you know, changeover from when you're working into retirement and it's a very complicated tax code. And the idea is, yeah, you don't, you want to be in compliance, but you also don't want to miss perhaps an opportunity. And two, that takes a lot of coordination of advisors. And we're big on that, you say, planning. That's why team is in our name. Right. Um, because, you know, yeah, you've got, you know, everybody should be working, you know, you, whether it's the CPA or if you're using one of the tax compliance robots, but also the investment advisors and also the insurance people and also the attorneys who are doing your legal documents, you know, and as Congress makes the laws even more and more complicated, um, you know, are you number one in compliance and number two, better even yet are you looking for opportunities right 
And in this year, especially, we'll be talking a lot about the Secure Act 2.0, mm-hmm. which passed as a part of the budget reconciliation at the end of last year. And then thirdly, how we at the estate planning team help our clients navigate this so they get a better retirement plan. So, you know, and how, you know, how you cross the T's and dot the I's. Um, but before that, I did, you know, want to mention a little bit about the bank failure risk. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the list, it seems like it's growing by the hour. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we mentioned Silicon Valley Bank, and then Silvergate Capital, then Signature Bank, and, and then Credit Suisse, which really isn't a U.S. issue, but it's inher- and it still could cause problems. Right. Um, and then now this weekend, they're talking about First Republic Bank, another California bank. Um, and then Is there a theme here that it's California? <laughs> You're getting that theme? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on over there? I would think something's maybe the government. Yeah. What's going on? Um, But, you know, so and is this back to 2008? Um, You know, when when you had um, the, the, the Great Recession, is it as bad as it was in the the Great Depression? Okay, so, Carrie. It, the, in 1933, well, let, let's say, so how many banks have failed? Well, so right now we have a few, right? Right. Compared um, to the banks out there, it's a small percentage. Now, the and, and if a bank finds a white knight to come and buy them, I don't think it's technically a failure. No, not at all. Okay. Because um, some so, of them are, are potentially going up for sale now. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's what they hope. Right, I right. Mean, that's what they're... Um, you know, and, and, and like National City Bank, many right. people remember. It wasn't a bank failure because PNC... Came in and bought it. Yeah, now the government gave the money to, you know, the TARP money to PNC to do right. it, but who's counting? It doesn't matter, you know, who cares about that? Right. But, um, but that technically it wasn't saying that National City Bank failed, right? right. Um, as opposed to like Washington you know, Mutual or whatever. Um, the, you know, so you can, so if you look at, um, I'm trying to see here. So in, yeah, so in that 2008, 2009, there was about 165 banks that failed. Okay. Okay. Um, so we've had what, two or three failed right now. Okay. Um, now, Silver, uh, you know, Silicon Valley Bank was big. That's the second largest failure. Okay. You know, I think they had about 175. I've seen some reports that they had 200 billion, you know, in assets. Prior to that, in the Great Recession, Washington Mutual was has the largest still. Right. They had, um, you know, yeah, they, they. I did. I haven't seen read all of it, but I did see they gave a ton of money to social justice groups. Maybe they should have held on to that. And they gave a lot of money to politicians. Right. You know, in the where lobbying efforts to ro- say, roll back those, the Dodd-Frank. Where are those politicians um, now? But compared to 1933, you know how many banks failed in 1933, Carrie? Oh, I would say a lot. 4,000. Right. right. Um, and I would guess there's probably more banks now than there was in during the Great Depression. And there... I don't know. I don't know if the bank consolidation. I don't. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Um, so, so is it the but is it the same problem that we saw in 2008, 2009, or not? Well, I would hope and, we would have learned that lesson. Well, but the, well, in other words, and it, it's probably. I don't know if it's more like that. It's probably the Silicon Valley Bank. Probably it looks more like. Do you remember the savings and loan panic? 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that was in the 1980s. I remember hearing about it, Mark. I was <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Probably and, in my maybe one of my classes we talked yeah, about. Yeah, remember the SNLs? About a thousand of them failed. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was the idea that what was happening was the, it was the same situation. Interest rates were right. You know, you know. So what happened was, and this is the same thing that's happening today. The the SNLs invested their funds in in, in long term mortgages, so they had mm-hmm. a lot of people right. who they gave thirty year mortgages at a very low interest rate. Mm-hmm. But that fixes their income coming in, right? Right. Because one thing that happens if you've got a low mortgage and mortgage rates go up, guess what? You don't sell. Correct. Because you stay in your low mortgage. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, so then. The Fed, they, the Federal Reserve, rising inflation, they had to act, so they started raising rates, which that means the SNLs had to pay higher rates to attract more deposits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that mismatch between the cost of their money and the lower rates that the mortgages earned, that sank the industry. Okay. All right. Um, and, and, and some people, or some of the SNLs, to try to prevent it, what they did is they switched to riskier investments. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, how much risk do you need to be okay? Well, the banks took on a little bit more than they needed to be okay. And then when those investments kind of started going south, the problem worsened. And and at the time, you know, the SNLs, they weren't covered by FDIC, the depositors. They had another uh, insurance, like SLIC or whatever. That, you know, went bank. That that went insolvent. So then that's when the government i.e. taxpayers, had to bail them out okay. at a cost of $100 billion. right now. So so Silicon Valley is looking more like that. Um, one of the problems is Silicon Valley grew very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Okay, It tripled like in a short period of time. Okay, um, And same thing. They got caught in the interest trap. Right, but at some point, does somebody not look at this before it's like down the road? Well, that's you what, would think. There's some really smart people, I would assume, working it for it well, to say, "Hey." A lot of people are saying, "Well, is it mismanagement?" Yes. Is it was it a problem with the regulatory companies, the overseers? Right, yes. Don't you think after two, we have more regulations? Was a problem when they rolled back Dodd Frank in 2018, so that made Silicon Valley Bank under the cap of 250, so they didn't have that scrutiny. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, all you know is Trump to blame. How is Trump to blame? Ask Bernie Sanders, because <laughs> he signed the 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 drawdown of of Dodd Frank in 2018. Right. He lobbied for it. Okay. Now he, they needed Democratic support. It wasn't right. you know. The, that's it, what I'm going to say. I... Yeah. So the, yeah, there were um, somehow when something goes wrong. I'm not saying that every, but why is it always Trump's fault? Like, <laughs> I think all the. I mean, I think it's a combination of factors. Right. So so the. Uh, so, yeah, you've got to um, – now, so let's talk if, – if, if you're concerned about this, right? Which I think some people are just concerned about the trend and where this is going and where do I put my money now, like – Well, okay. Well, you can talk about – so the thing now is that the FDIC – okay, so when did, the, when did that FDIC insurance come in, Carrie? Okay. Um, all right, so it started back in 1933, okay? And the protection there at that time was $2,500 <laughs> deposit. 
Okay. All right. Um, that didn't well, cut it today very well, right? Um, right. Um, and then it was in the 70s. Well, up, up through the 70s, it would, that, that limit protection was going up slowly. Then okay. in 1980, um, Congress raised it to 100,000. Okay. I remember clearly when it was on. Do you remember when it was 100,000? I mean, when did it go? So, yeah, I do. Yeah, Actually, I do. Yeah, because it was the Great Recession in 2008, 2009. It was before. Then they bumped it up to Then they to bumped 250. it to 250. All right. And now, though... That was the problem with Silicon Valley and some of these other failures is there's much more. I mean, the depositors have much more than 250,000 in there, right? Um, and, and that's where the Congress or not Congress, Biden, whatever, White House and Treasury and, you know, Federal Reserve is saying we're going to, everybody's going to be, all the depositors, no matter how much they have, is going to be protected. Okay. So basically, they're saying the 250,000 cap. Is out the window. Okay. Now, a lot of people are saying, is that going to true forever now? In other words, or is, is it just temporary? Is the and U.S. Is it- now saying that there is no cap on FDIC insurance for depositors? Well, I think they need to come out and say it and not be vague or have it in writing. And that's the question. And maybe by the time you're hearing this show, we'll have an answer. Because as of the date we're taping this show, that's the question. Um, now, or does Congress just have to raise it again? So do they raise it from 250 to 500 or whatever? But also, it's the trick too. You know that that 250 per depositor, it's per insured bank, right? So right, it, you know you can split your money up. So I could have 250 at X Y 250,000 at X Y Z bank, and another 250 at a credit union that's FDI insured, another 250. So technically, I could have each pot of 250 as long as it's at different banks, I'm covered. Right. Another one, it's also per each account ownership category. So if you're just at XYZ Bank, but you've got a single account, a maybe joint? you've got a joint account, maybe you have an IRA account. Okay. Uh, maybe you have a trust account. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would then, you know, each cover one of all those. the individual accounts. Yeah. Um, all right. So there so there's you know so if you are if you do have more if you are concerned that this bank failure is more of systemic and it's going to be a bigger problem maybe along the maybe along the lines of 2008. Okay. Um you know then but if you do have more than $250,000 in one single bank account you may want to split that up a mm-hmm. little. Um but I don't think it is the same situation. It's just, and and you, you were making a joke about it, if you remember what was happening, what, you know, in, in, in the savings alone. I don't think the people that were running Silicon Valley or Silvergate, they were probably in grade school and high school. So right. they might have not got that savings and loan uh, uh, lesson either, Carrie. Ugh. But regardless of that, I think it comes down to what are you worried about? We can model in that worst case scenario. Um, we can tell you how to be proactive. And if you're mad, uh, whether they call it a bailout or something and are worried about potential tax increases, there are many opportunities that people miss out on that they can take steps now that can create future tax efficient income. Even if you're someone who says, hey, I'm I know I'm not going to be running out of money, although that's a fear of many people, regardless of a state size. But what if you can make things better and create more net spendable income and minimize what the government gets? Wouldn't you rather choose to do 
what you want with your money, whether it's spend it and spending can be a lot of different things. It can be gifting to your family, charity. I personally would rather have money go to charity or anybody other than the government. But whatever that is, we can be that objective unbiased advisor for you, whatever financial decisions you face. And we've been doing this for more than 35 years, an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary. We have both hourly and comprehensive retainers. So if somebody needs a little bit of help or a lot of help, you can call 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We will call you on Monday if you want to schedule a free consultation, which we're scheduling um, now through actually the end of summer by phone or in person. If you want to go ahead and get on the calendar and not procrastinate, you can also send us an email through financialfoodforthought.com. I get all the emails. You will get a response. And if you don't get a response, call me because I respond to all emails we get. So that's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Listen to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. And we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And We've been helping Cleveland families build these custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over those decades, Carrie, we've certainly talked about a lot of, um, in March especially, we talk about the the tax, the March madness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mentioned what are some of the IRS audit red flags for retirees. And one of them is failing to report all your taxable income. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, again, <laughs> that seems like an, pretty obvious, right? But it's not always obvious when you're going right. into retirement. Because when you're working, a lot of times you're basically your income is your W-2. Mm-hmm. And you only might have one of those. Now, some people have more than one W-2. I get right. that. But the great majority just have one W-2, mm-hmm. and they kind of know if they got it or not. Right. Um, right. Um, and you're, if you're in your tax preparer, if he doesn't see your W-2, he's probably going to ask for it. Right. right. Um, but the retirement income is a little bit trickier. Right. So it could be um, that, you know, when you start taking money out of tax-qualified plans, you get a 1099-R and sometimes you don't get that in the mail, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you forget you that to be expecting one. Mm-hmm. You might have missed it. We don't have issues with the mail sometimes. No, and even though you might have missed yours, it doesn't mean the IRS missed theirs. Right, and chances are it never works, I don't think, in your favor as a taxpayer. <laughs> because they get sent one too, all right? Um, it could be, you had mentioned well, always mentioning RMDs, required minimum distributions. Mm-hmm. Right? It could be you didn't take your RMD. Or you forgot the inherited IRA in some of the new rules. And you didn't take your inherited IRA. Yeah, whether it's inherited IRA or your own IRA. Right. You just forgot to take it. That's never happened before, has it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, you know, and um, a third one, I mean, you know, we have, you know, this will be the first March Madness where we have legal gambling in Ohio, Carrie, oh, right? okay. And, and what did they take? Well, we've had g- gambling in Ohio. Are you talking about the betting? The, yeah, the sports betting. Okay. Oh, um, that's what you mean. Because I was like, I've gone to the casino yeah. with yeah, we my had the dad. Casinos, right? I've but, gone to both casinos around here with my dad a few times. Right, but we're talking about the sports betting, right? Okay, that started in mm-hmm. January. Would they? It was one point one billion in January alone. <sighs> Jeez, it's a. I mean, is 
That could be a problem, I'm guessing. Well, a, a couple of ways. It could be a problem if you're losing. Um, right. But it could also be a problem if you're winning and not reporting that as taxable right. income. Because I'm assuming, I know casinos do after a certain level. I've never gotten that. But so does um, betting, I would say. These companies are going to report it to the IRS. Right. So these are all, so that's just a few examples of how, you you know, you could not be reporting your taxable income. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, so also, too, we have, like we mentioned, that we have the Secure Act, too, which is changing some things. Okay. Um, For example, it's changing your RMD applicable Mm -hmm. age, right? And remember, so we have Secure Act 1. That was passed in 2019. That raised the old 70 and a half to 72. To 72. And then we had the Secure Act 2.0 passed last December, mm-hmm. right? Which raised it again. Now, this is where the complexity starts going <laughs> to, what I'm saying right. is going to prevent compliance. Because, okay, so if you attain age 72 after 1231 22, your applicable age is 73. Mm-hmm. And those who attain age 74 after 1231 32, mm-hmm. their applicable age is 75. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you still have that crazy April 1st rule, which mm-hmm. says you can defer just the first one, you can defer your first required minimum to April 1st of the year following the calendar you attained your applicable age. Right. And for some people, it may make sense, especially if you're working or a high wage earner in the year you attain your minimum required. So it may make more sense to delay it until the following year and you could take it before April 1st, but then you have to take your second one before year end. Before December 31st. Don't forget that part of it. Right. Okay. Um, And... Don't forget it's April 1st. Uh, over the decades, we had a lot of new people come into us thinking it was April 15th, mm. the tax filing deadline. No, no. That's a bad April Fool's joke by the government. It's April 1st. All right. And don't miss it. No. You miss the required minimum. Well, they lowered the penalty because right. so it used to one be of the 50, changes. It used to be 50%. 50% excise tax if you miss your RMD, right? Um, now, so... Now, there, you could be an exception if you, for example, the 401k. Let's say you were still working and participating in the 401k after required minimum age. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do an RMD from the 401k. Okay. You can continue to defer it. Right. Right. But that's only for an employer you're working for, right. if you, not if you're retired. Because some people will leave a company, they've kept that 401k, they didn't roll it over because they liked maybe the option or the stock. So it's only for the one that you're working for. Yeah, you're still participating. Right. Um, yeah, and and now, but the same thing. If you are in that situation, you're still contributing and participating in your company 401k plan, but you also have an IRA, you can't defer your IRA RMD. Right, you still have to take that. And we've caught people on that. Mm-hmm. You kept them from getting some fan mail from the IRS, you know, because understanding that rule. So what did the Secure Act to, oh, so how you mentioned, Gary, it's it's reducing that high 50% excise tax penalty, right, for missing an RMD. Right. So right now, the 50% in 2023 is going down to 25%. Okay. They're cut in in half, right? Which is still a big chunk, you think about, depending now, on how big your 
it can be further reduced, Carrie, right, to 10%. Put, okay. But you got to kind of cross some T's and that's right. lines. Okay. So here's, I'm just going to read you the language, Carrie. Oh, it's probably some convoluted. Okay. And the tax is further reduced to 10% if account holders take the full required minimum amount and report the tax by the end of the second year after it was due and before the IRS <laughs> demands payment. Can they just speak? All right. So in plain English. Now, also, you know, so but the point being, you don't want to go down that pathway. You, you know, you, you, you want to, you know, hopefully that you don't, you know, you're looking, you're looking out for the required minimum distributions. Right. And you know how to get that information. Um, you, you know, and, and you, you, you make sure that you're doing them. You've got mm-hmm. to create now. Um, so how does, so how does this type how do we help our clients in that? Well, Carrie, actually we try to work with our clients on year end planning in the fourth quarter before the year ends. Right. That's when we get busy making sure that, you know, under looking at that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a required minimum? Right. And have you taken it? Have you taken all of them? Have you done the right withholding amounts and right. talking with them if they're doing it on their own or their tax preparer? Right. And the withholding, and this is also one of our axioms I always say, you know, what you did last year may not be what you do this year and may not be what you do next year. That's certainly true. And when you're talking about when you're taking money in retirement out of qualified plans, your required minimum changes every year. Um, you, some years you need more than your required minimum. Mm-hmm. Some years you may, if you've got multiple IRAs, you might want to co-mingle and just take it from right. one or the other. Especially uh, maybe when you had one in cash, when the rates were really bad and you had other when the market was doing good, maybe you want to satisfy it from one one place. Some years you need more withholding on the RMD mm-hmm. than other years. Um, you know, and, and do you know which one of your IRAs support Ohio withholding? Not all of them do because they don't have to. All right. So these, so these are the things that you have to, you know, this is why you don't ask your neighbor how much withholding they're doing on their RMDs. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, or some people just do 10%, 20% thinking that's safe. And, and that gets to the issue of the 401ks. There's a 20% mandatory federal withholding. Right. Well, then do you want to adjust because you want to want to wait around till April 15th to get a big refund? Maybe not. Maybe there's other things you can do to make adjustments on anything other withholdings so that it helps your cash flow during the year, especially if you're worried about market and you don't want to have to withdraw funds during when when your assets are down. All right. Um, so these are things that we're working with our clients before the year is done. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and, you know, and then and during and up and through that time, we're, we're keeping them. We're, we're, you know, we have a target. We, we have an idea. We have a cash flow schedule for the year, knowing what do we think they're going to need out of the IRAs, mm-hmm. whether it be required minimum. Maybe they're not in required minimum yet. So they right. still need money out of their IRAs. You know, you know, it's, 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 it's planning. It's, it's saying, yeah, it's no surprises. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now when you're going through that planning process, okay, there's a lot less chance that you're going to get a big surprise in April. <coughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Because you're on the lookout for it. Right. 
And, you know, it's, it's, and, and you're creating kind of a checkoff list. Right. And we provide that for our client or we have clients that call and say, Hey, let's go over that. I have this before they send it to the CPA or before they're inputting it themselves. You know, especially when you have maybe you have a different IRA accounts, you have IRA CDs, you have inherited. I mean, it can get complicated and you want to make sure. So for our clients, we go through that with them. And actually, a lot of our client CPAs have come to depend on that. Mm-hmm. Makes and, their job easier so they don't have to file an amended return. Right. And during a busy time, it just makes things more efficient. Right. Especially, um, and, and I always give this heads up too. If, um, if you're changing tax preparers from last year to this year, Maybe you're the one you were using retired. That's happened uh-huh. a lot. Maybe uh, you moved and now you're finding a new one. Or, or maybe you were always doing it yourself using one of the robots, but now you're giving that up and you want to go to a professional. It, but my point is, if it's the first year that that preparer is working on your account, you got to be extra careful. Because what I found over the decades is that they a lot of those the, a lot, in that in those circumstances a lot of times the new preparer doesn't ask you for previous year's data. Mm-hmm. Now some do, Carrie. Right. Um, some do, um, but a lot don't. Right, and they're um, getting busier. Things are getting right. more complicated. So, so and the problem there is if they're not inputting. Or their their robots doesn't have the previous year's data in memory in store. It's it's gonna it's a greater chance that the, an error is going to be made. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that's why you know it, it, again it's less of a chance of these errors happening if there's some consistency on who's preparing the returns, right? Or somebody else is looking it over. I'm thinking of a case, Mark. We have a lady every year. Because she's trying to simplify things, we actually uh, liquidated one of the accounts that sat us because she had multiple IRAs. She's getting into her 80s now. So we actually uh, liquidated the one account and just you know, closed it out, did withholdings, and she was worried this year. I only got this one 1099R, and she got one for a pension. I said, that's because we did one thing, it's called one less account, and sometimes we do that, or the least performing, or the one, the one getting a lower rate, or if a CD's closing, you might as well just ca- you know cash it out, do the withholding. So if you're making those maneuvers, which can actually help you in the long run, it still makes it more complicated than having another pair of eyes. All right. So, so that's so going through the steps and getting into a cycle, and like I said, we've helped our clients in the fourth quarter of the year really get into a year-end planning cycle. So we're kind of getting this all down as part of the plan. So it makes their tax compliance much easier because mm-hmm. they have a checkoff list. They can, as the ten ninety nine hours come in, they can check them off. Okay, I was expecting this one. Oops, where you know where I did? I was expecting the, this one from XYZ. I don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. Get on the phone, right? Right. Um, also, too, is you can get corrected ten ninety nine hours, which is why we tell people don't file too early. And, and a lot of times, too, on the non qualified, the ten ninety brokerage, you know, same. Um, also, though. 1099 R's are wrong a lot. I mean, r- a mm-hmm. lot. You know, we're a small shop and carry, it seems like every right. year mm-hmm. we catch some, one of our clients got an incorrect 1099 R. 
Mm-hmm. Either the, the amount wasn't right or the withholding was right or whatever. Or, by the way, uh, and, and if you can check, if you can catch that, yeah, you have time to go back to the custodian right. and say, check this. Right. You know, um, and, and kind of go from there. We've also seen where not that, you know, that the, you know, when you, when you print out the return, you know, when, you know, if you're inputting the 1099 hours, there could be an input error. Mm-hmm. How many times have we caught that in, in review? Mm-hmm. At least I would say a couple times a year. You know, where we're saying, you know, it, somebody just, whether it was you doing it with a home robot or a, a professional preparer, right. they somehow they entered it in wrong. Mm-hmm. And and when you and you know and and that's why again, but having that cheat sheet, you know, you know, there's if you know that your taxable IRA distribution should be ten thousand dollars, and for whatever reason, the first draft of your return it's only seven thousand dollars. There's a problem, right? Okay, Um, and and if you can catch these before the button is pushed that that files electronically, the better. Also, you know, Carrie, um, keep an eye out. Uh, did you get a tax refund last year? Okay. Now, this has come up <laughs> and relatively recently because um, you might have gotten a tax refund last year. And you might have noticed that the actual refund amount, the check, whatever amount deposit you got from the IRS was higher than what your return was asking for. Mm-hmm. Okay, not a whole lot higher. Right, but still. But higher. Chances are the government paid you interest on your refund. Right. Which doesn't always happen. Because it was delayed? And not timely. And typically, I think IRS, I think the unwritten rule law, whatever, is that if they don't get your tax refund out within 45 days, uh, you know, then they kind of pay interest. It's not timely refund, right? So now, but here's the crook, which a lot of people don't understand. The interest that they're paying you on your tax refund, Carrie, is taxable. Taxable income. Oh. So and wouldn't you rather they just do it timely? So you're getting a 1099 interest, 1099 INT from Mm -hmm. the government. Right. And you might not be looking for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, or you may get that in the mail, think it's chunk mail, and throw it out because mm-hmm. you I've never saw that. one before. Right, right. Um, but what does it look like? It, well, it's going to have a Department of Treasury, right. you know, heading on it. It's going to, you know, probably, you know, it's going to look like a, you know, just like a 1099R. It's going to say 1099 interest, right? And it's going to tell you the calendar year. It's going to tell you the total interest paid, and you, as a good taxpayer, should realize that you have to report that uh, as taxable income. I bet a lot of people are going to miss that, Mark. Um, and so, you know, those are some of the the things. Um, so that's why, again, you you know, when when you're the, the the more advanced planning, as opposed to just getting into the March Madness where you're really you're getting flustered and you're getting overwhelmed with trying to get the tax return done um you know the idea is if you if you you know when should you start working on it well if you're doing it the estate planning team method we're kind of going through that in the previous quarter 
Right. We're working that in the fourth quarter of the previous year, not the first quarter of the current year. And we and we and we're, we're looking, and now we've got those lists, and now those are things that we're trying to keep from getting you know fan mail from the IRS, right? Because mm-hmm. we've missed reporting some taxable income, mm-hmm. and the IRS has some problems, and they don't respond timely. We've had people waiting for years. I don't have time to talk about the, <laughs> I was say, the mess that the IRS um, carry, but well, well, but I'm just saying it's not timely because I've sent stuff that they haven't corrected. Last June, I sent it certified, got a confirmation. Do you know they still haven't looked at it? And they said, and I've talked to the my our tax preparer, and he they say you're just going to have to wait. Yeah. They, sometimes it's been a year or more. Well, Janet Yellen did say. Not that they've hired 87,000, <laughs> but I think she did say they've hired 5,000. Wow, that's surprising. Um, and they're now going to be available to answer phones. Because they don't. I remember calling for six weeks every day, and I would go in early at different times, and if I was working, I'd just leave it on hold. And I would go through every prompt, and any prompt said call back later. Like, I could never get through no matter what. Yeah, and and I, and I the mess of the IRSO isn't over yet. No. So you don't want fan mail. I mean, you really want to avoid that at all costs. But hopefully it's getting better. And also... The, some of the, the money that's allocated, you know, in that budget reconciliation and, the, and all the, the, the tax increases, hopefully they can get some of the IRS antiquated programs up to speed. All right. I'll talk more about that next week. Carrie. All right. Call the estate planning team for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com and have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.